But this morning, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about kingdom building. And I'm going to start with a little bit of audience participation because we haven't done that in a while. What do you think the kingdom of heaven is like? Just shout it out. What does it look like? Kingdom of heaven. Glorious. Glorious. Gold. Streets of gold. That's what I always hear. Pearly gates, right? What else? What, else? what do you think? For your golfers, is there golf courses? Is there unlimited fishing? Is there... If you, if you, who, who knows, right? And I've, I've shared that joke. I won't do it again about the brand muffins. I know that got Rena tickled, but I, mean, I don't know what you think about, but, but what, what, what could it be? Lots of sun and light. Sun and light. It says there's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, what about the fluffy clouds and the white robes and the, the, the harps and all that? No, maybe? I don't know. In 1 Corinthians 2 9, the Apostle Paul quotes the prophet Isaiah when he writes these words. He says, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Okay? This tells me that the kingdom of heaven is even better than the, the streets of gold and the pearly gates. And, 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 and you just, I think you described some of the feeling. We'll talk about that in a second. But these things that we think. Boy, what's a great day, a sunny day. Absolutely. But even better than that is what's there. And to that point, you may be familiar with that song, I Can Only Imagine by Mercy Me. And it's a beautiful song. And some of the lyrics of these, it says, I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. Of course, he's singing God. It says, I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine. Right? We don't know. We can only imagine. And that's right in line with God's words. We can only imagine, and then it will be far better than that, okay? Those who've gone before us are experiencing something greater than we can even imagine. And, and when our friends and family pass away, we miss them, right? We do. But we celebrate the life they had. We cherish the memories we have with them. And then we rejoice at God's kept promise of an eternal life with him because it is so much better than this life and so much better than we can imagine, but it's the chorus of that song that intrigues me so much. He goes on, he says, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I stand in your, or will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in awe of you be still, right? Will I stand in your presence or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. We're gonna be so blown away. We, we can't even imagine how we're gonna respond and these words pose the question, what will we feel when we arrive? And I think, Mark, you know you had it. It's glorious. What other things would, do you think you might feel? Donna, you look like you've got a thought. What are you going to feel when you're in heaven? Salvation. What do you, salvation. Joy, you're just smiling as you say that. Yes. All right, you know, right? All right. Revelation 21.4 reminds us there is no more mourning. And for you people who don't like mornings, it's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. In heaven, there still are mornings, but you'll enjoy them different. There will no more mourning, crying, or pain. Luke 15, 7 tells us there is joy in heaven every time someone repents. So we got, we've got joy. We've got, we've got, you know, no more pain. Philippians 3, 21 tells us that our weak mortal bodies will be changed in a glorious body like his own. Okay, I'm going to get that body back. All right, it's not gone forever. Revelation 7, 9 reveals that people from every nation, all tribes and people languages are united in worship. Now, doesn't that sound fantastic? That's what we sang about at the beginning of the service. United in worship. And Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Some words you guys have shared already. But imagine that. Joy, comfort, 
peace, unity. I mean, that sounds awesome. That's, that's, that's heaven. Joy, comfort, peace, unity. It sounds a, a little like the spirit of Christmas, doesn't it? Makes you wonder. If the birth of Jesus Christ elicits the kinds of deep-seated, soul-nurturing feelings that exist in heaven, that must be more than a coincidence. In Mark 4, 30, 32, we find these words. It says, and he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? They're asking Jesus to explain. He says, it's like a grain of mustard seeds, which sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in the shade. We often hear about the faith of the mustard seed because it's so small. But he said the same thing. It's like the kingdom of God, it's so small, but when it's planted, when it's built here on earth, it flourishes into something magnificent that you can't even imagine. And it benefits so many more than just the one who planted it. He goes on in Matthew 13, 44, says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and he covered up. This is interesting. He goes, then in his joy, he goes and sell all he has and buys that field. That's how much you need to invest in this wonderful kingdom of heaven that you'll set aside everything. You'll surrender all because you've discovered this treasure. Now, earlier in the service, we recited the Lord's Prayer, and, as, and we did that as a congregation. And it included these words spoken by Jesus Christ. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? What can we do to build his kingdom here? I mean, is that even possible? And is that even what he's asking? And, and I don't necessarily believe that we are told to bring heaven to earth, right? That's not our job. That's God's divine act to perform in his time. But we know from scripture that our citizenship is in heaven. That's in Philippians. And we do not have a lasting home here. We are seeking the home which is to come, which in Hebrews says, you know, that's where we're going. We're just passing through. We're visitors. We are not of this world and are in a war not to conform to the patterns of this world. All of these are from Paul's letters in Philippians, Hebrews, and Romans. But Jesus' words were on earth as it is in heaven. This means we should make this world like that of heaven. Treating our time here as a, a simulation maybe or a preparation for what comes next. And this means we should do on earth what we will do in heaven. That was a part of our scripture to remember. We should act like on earth like we act in heaven. Yeah, remember the songs from, from the, the song we sang a few minutes ago, the words. And we should desire to experience God's kingdom on earth. We should be excited about that. We should want that for here. We know that we can't even imagine what that means, but we have some guidance thanks to the words of scripture. We know that this includes worshiping God, living a life that honors him, encouraging others in faith and and celebrating the repentance. We read about that of others and having a kingdom mindset. What does this mean in, in the kingdom of God? Matthew 6, 19 through 21 reminds us, it says, don't, don't lay for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. It's a kingdom focus. Where, where is the lasting value in what we do? It's not here. It says, for where your treasure is, your heart is also. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. You know, put that stuff up there. You'll find, you'll get blessings here. You're not, you're not setting aside any joy here, I promise you. You'll have a better joy. 
but the things that really matter is you can't take with you. you. You put them there for when you arrive. And we help build the kingdom of God by living righteously, by being strengthened, and we're strengthened by, by our engagement at church and in the community and with other, um, other Christians, serving willingly wherever we are and, and recognizing the blessings that they, come, that they come from God. This is a part of that process. And let's look at what scripture says about this. Ephesians 2, 19 through 20. This is the letter from the apostle Paul. It says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Another word for that is sojourners, like contemporary travelers. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ himself being the cornerstone. I love that reference. Cornerstone, and we talked about this a couple years ago. It's the first block of the building. Not only does it have to be perfectly straight and level for everything else to do what it is, but it kind of locks things together. A true cornerstone locks all the pieces together. Jesus is the cornerstone of this. It's the cornerstone of our faith. He's the cornerstone of, our, of the kingdom of, of God. He's the cornerstone of the church. Everything we do is based on that. If, and if we don't have Jesus in that cornerstone, nothing fits right. Nothing is straight and level and, and as easy as it can be because we don't have the peace that we need to get it started. And the importance and scriptural relevance of this description of Jesus as the cornerstone is echoed in Matthew 7, 24. It says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came, the winds blew and beat that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And the great was the fall of, of it all. And when Jesus finished these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. And listen to this. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as scribes. He wasn't just spitting out words that he read. I mean, he was teaching with authority. You guys know what a voice of authority and confidence. And here's what's cool. When you teach in his name, when you pray in his name, when you repent in his name, whatever you do in the name of Jesus, if you say, get back Satan in the name of Jesus, you have that same authority. Another thing interesting, and we talked about this last week, he did, even the house that's built on the rock still had the storms. It just withstood them. So when we build this kingdom, we need to think about who we're building it for. It's an act of obedience and of worship because he says, you know, this is what we should do. But we shouldn't build it for ourselves. I mean, we certainly benefit by, by way of the promised blessings and we have to admit that the thought of heaven on earth is a pleasant one, all these wonderful things. We should desire that. But we also do this for the good of others. You are called to be a kingdom builder. You have a mission field. We talked about this a week ago in the message titled, The Start of Something, you know? And, and if you need a refresher, it's, it's online. Um, and those are still out there. But you are called to be a kingdom builder. You have a mission field. You don't have to go to another country to build this kingdom. There are people around you who need to hear your message of hope and eternal life. People in the community, people in your family, people in other circles, people maybe even in this congregation who need that reminder every now and then of the hope. This is important here as well from 2 Peter 1, 10 through 11. It says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. You have a calling. 
God has put a purpose in your life. And it may be not everybody's called to be a missionary as you would think of the missionary. You, not everybody's called to be a teacher, but there are so many roles that people are called to. And I guarantee every one of them has some element of service. That's how you're designed. And it says, for if you do these things, you will never stumble and you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Boy, it feels right when you're doing something that you're good at or something you're called to do or something you're passionate. God has wired that into you. And if you haven't discovered it, ask him. And if you're still having trouble with it, let me know because there are resources where you can figure out what, you know, they call these things spiritual gifts. And that sounds like this mystical thing. And, and there's some divineness to it. But there are some real things. Some people are teachers. Some people have some gifts of wisdom. Some people have uh, uh, gifts of, of other things that, that are, God will use in ways that you haven't even imagined yet. But here's some practical steps for building kingdom. You can be a, be a kingdom builder by reading his word, right? And by applying his word to everything, everywhere you go, every perspective you have, dive into his word and, and, and get that reassurance in tough times, that affirmation in good times. You can be a kingdom builder by spending time in prayer, praying for yourself and praying for those around you. That builds his kingdom here. And you can be a kingdom builder by giving joyfully and sacrificially. Now, sacrificially, didn't that sounds like an uncomfortable word, but anybody can give out of their abundance. Scripture says, you know, that we hear about the widow's might. She gave all she had. Is God calling you to give all you have? Maybe, maybe not. That's why we prayerfully consider what he's calling us to do. You know, maybe he's, maybe it's not a financial thing he's asking you to sacrifice your time and your money. Maybe he's asking you to give some of your time or some of your strength or some of your abilities. You can be a kingdom builder by having patience and forgiving willingly and graciously. Anybody else would do an okay till we got to this one? Yeah, right? It's tough. But if you want to act like, it, like, like the kingdom of heaven on earth, you got to have that grace. You got to receive it. You got to give it. You got to be willing to forgive generously. Yeah. You got to have patience. Anybody struggle with patience already this morning? And I'm looking at her because she would, yeah. Gravy? Gravy? Yeah. <laughs> For you online, it's a, it is a potluck Sunday and we're having turkey issues. Um, anyway. And you can be a kingdom builder by loving and serving others. Now that one's a little easier. Not always easy, but it's certainly a lot more fun, isn't it? Well, I'd rather love than forgive somebody, but they're really the same thing. They really are. Now, we may do our best to create a reflection of God's kingdom here, and everyone will reap the benefits of blessing when we do so. But, but make no mistake about it. God wants you to make it to the real kingdom of heaven. That's the goal. Jesus often taught about his father's kingdom and promised that he had gone ahead to prepare a place for us. And he was very clear about the path to get there. In John 14, 3, he tells us that he went before us to establish the path and make a place for you. He was talking to his disciples but if you're here this morning, if you are seeking God, wherever you're at on your faith, I'm not sure, or I'm fully committed, or I'm on fire for the Lord, or I don't know right now, you're still a disciple of his if you're seeking him. In fact, in Matthew 7, 13, 14, we find these words from Jesus. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. Now, this sounds a little discouraging, but here's the thing. This gate is well-marked. The path is well-marked. We know the way. It doesn't change. There are things that we need to do and there's things that we absolutely should not do. 
That's the path. And here's the other great news. If you get a little sideways on this path, repent. Repent literally means to turn. Get back on that path. It's not a moving target where, oh gosh, you know, anybody have one of those jobs or, or anything like that where you just don't know what the expectation is. You just, you're working really hard, but you have no idea if you're working the right thing. I mean, God's not like that. He wants you to succeed. He says, do this, do this. And here's 10 things you probably shouldn't do and a couple others. But, you know, when he's saying do that, yes, it's very specific, but it's known. It's known. And later in the same chapter, we hear him say, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That, that's it. Again, that's a well-defined path. Matthew 18, one through four. Matthew's just a wonderful, a wonderful book to read and we'll find things in the Sermon on the Mount and a lot of these things that you, you study. It's a good read. But he says, at the time the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now this is human nature coming through, right? Who's your favorite? Who do you like? Who do you love? And, and he, what does Jesus do? He, he calls a child. Now Jesus is the master of the parable, the master of the example. Because that's, honestly, that's a, a lot of the ways we learn, you know? And he calls a child to me, put him in the midst of them. He brings this child and he says, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, so he's saying you gotta be different, and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Pride in the wrong thing. So we can be proud of, of God, right? God is, God is proud of us. But when you're pride comes across as righteousness or self-righteousness, that drives a wedge between you. And he's saying, here's this child, simple, humble, who just wants to do right and be good. He said, that's what it takes. So stop arguing about who's the best. Start worrying about who, who does the best. Let me conclude with just a few more thoughts to consider. Acts 14, 22 tells us that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. We talked about this last week in the message, tested and trusted. But we are encouraged by Luke 12, 32. He says, fear not, little flock. Okay, sounds like we're children, but we are children of God. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom of God. He wants to. He brings him pleasure. He delights in that. And Jesus' parting words from Matthew 28, and I read this often. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So here we have this prominent voice, okay? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So there's your narrow path. But he says, and behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Friends, do not be afraid. The Holy Spirit is with you every step of the way and Jesus commands us to build his kingdom. Just take a step of faith. The Lord will do the rest. It is a blessing to be a part of that winning team. Let's pray. Father God, you call us to a life of obedience and by doing so, you're calling us to a life of blessing. Father, we pray as your son taught us that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, Lord, earth is not a replacement for heaven. This is not where we belong. We are sojourners just passing through. But while we're here, help us to be people of influence. And we'll talk about that next week, what that means. Help us to be people of influence. Help us to build your kingdom here with your son, Jesus Christ, as the cornerstone. 
that sets the foundation, the direction, the levelness, and the strength of the faith of those around us. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for this church, this congregation, this building, this community. Lord, everyone who you needed to be here today is here this morning. Everyone who needs to hear this message online is hearing it online. You work magical and mystical ways, and we are always amazed by what you do. Father God, we can't imagine what your real kingdom is like, but let us do the best to build a replica of it down here and watch, watch the joy as people willingly, selflessly forgive and show patience and grace and unite in worship with you. God, build your kingdom here. Amen.